to use that opportunity to go and, and indoctrinate these kids with your street ghetto philosophy. Certain point. If you raise your level of income to the status of a rock star, then uh -huh, uh -huh, then, right. then you got to keep coming up with ways to maintain that status. We, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even saying eat meat, but at least put some cereal in the milk. Come on. <laughs> you, that's like taking six, 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 the mark of the beast, and redefining it, like Biggie tried to do, and saying, no, it means this or that. No, 666 is 666, you can call it holy 666, but it's still the mark of the beast. Whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as preachers of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. We welcome you now to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. God is a covenant God. His covenants establish a relationship of commitment between him and his people. He's a covenant God. He makes covenants, makes agreements with people. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah, he will. God bargains with people sometimes. Yes, he does. He bargained with me. I'm just going to tell you my testimony. He bargained with me. Holy Spirit came to me in a vision. I can't explain it. I was like half think I was asleep, maybe. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Just like Paul said. But I remember the Holy Spirit coming to me and telling me about EX Ministries. And told me, you know, all the things that I talk about in my book, the whole story. You'd have to read it there. But after God had done that, God asked me, what did I want? Just like that. It's establishing a covenant. covenant. What do you want? What do you need? To do this because I'm, I'm, I'm basically about to take over your life. This is what God is saying. I'm about to take over your life. You're going to belong to me. So everything you do is going to be about me. So what do you need to do that is what he propositioned me with. And I said, well, Lord, as long as you can keep my family safe and secure my finances, because I don't want to go out there and need money. Because if I go and it become about the money, then I can't fa be faithful to what it is you're calling me to do. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So God comes to me and tells me that. So those are the two things I ask him for. Keep my family safe. We've never had an issue with my family. My family has been safe. My kids grew up. My, my, you know, my daughter, my son, all of that. Nobody ever gave them anything ever happened bad to them. My wife, none of that. Uh, nothing has happened. And then God has taken care of us financially. He's been able to help us live a debt-free life because we've stayed faithful to him so that I wouldn't have to, you know, always, you know, be in need or in a needy situation where, you know, um, it became a problem and started messing with my judgment. Amen. So those are the two things I knew then with my brain then. Those are the two things that I knew I needed. So those are the two things, the only two things I asked him for. And he made a covenant with me. And he said, I'm going to give you those if you stick to my orders. You stick to my orders, you got them. This is what he told me. You got it. You just, if you, as long as I can come to you, tell you something, and no matter what I say, you'll repeat it. But he made a covenant with me. told me, as long as you do that, as long as you keep doing it. And he knew who to come to. He had a big mouth anyway. But he makes covenants. Amen. I didn't mean to digress that much. But God makes covenants between him and his people. Amen. Genesis 9 and 9. And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you 
and with your seed after you. This is Abraham. Now, Abraham is, God is establishing his covenant with Israel. He's talking about uh, uh, with you and the seed after you, meaning the seed from your son. And then, of course, Jesus came and established the covenant with those that were not of the bloodline of Abraham. He bridged the gap for all men to partake in this covenant. Amen. Throughout the Bible, God required physical acts of men in order to illustrate his covenant. In the Old Testament, Abraham and his male descendants were circumcised in order to illustrate the covenant between them and God. Genesis 17 and 11, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Amen. So we know God established a covenant and then he used the physical act. To illustrate this covenant. Y'all still with me? God uses symbolism to illustrate his covenants as well. God promised that he would not destroy the earth by flood again. He placed a rainbow in the sky as a symbol to represent his covenant with Noah. Noah's seed and every living creature and the earth. Genesis 9 and 13. I do set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. I'm going somewhere. Look, somebody say, he's going somewhere. Remember that? Preachers said, he's going somewhere. He's going. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. You're supposed to keep it going. He's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. He's going. Y'all don't do it right. He's going somewhere. I need a Kojic church. I need, I need to preach this at the Church of God in Christ. Y'all don't know what y'all doing. Man's way. God also instituted ordinances in the New Testament to illustrate his covenant with us. The Lord's Supper is one such example. It is an observance performed to symbolize and reinforce our belief in the death, resurrection, and imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ and to remind us of our covenant with him. That is what the Lord's Supper is for. Amen? The scheduled practice of the Lord's Supper has become a Christian tradition based on a spiritual principle. But how we practice the Lord's Supper has become a tradition based on our culture. Amen. That's why we we just had it a few months ago. Brother Trent, it's almost I guess time is winding. I mean, uh, rolling around for our next one. But we did communion during our new members course and we made it an, an event that was sacred unto the Lord where we thought about what we were doing and intentionally did it, not out of tradition, not because it was first Sunday, not because we were wearing white, not because uh, for any other reason other than what God instructed it to be about. Amen. Because that was, that was, you know, I went through the whole lesson of that was Paul's problem with the church of Corinth because they were doing it for all kinds of reasons. Some people were hungry. Some people wanted a position. Somebody wanted to stand up there and look important. And it was all these different reasons. And that's why he said, some of y'all are sick and many of y'all are going to die because you are not, you're taking the act of it in vain. You're not doing it for the right reason. First Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he comes. As often. Look at somebody say, as often. As often. So there was no mandate on how often to do it. It was just as often as you do it. Whenever you do it. And when Jesus did it, they were just eating. He's like, hand me, hand me that bread. Give me some of that juice. Now watch this, y'all. And he just did it while they were eating. And he basically told them, why don't y'all just do this? So just do it as often as you do it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be here. 
You don't have to have the fancy trays with the fancy cups. and uh, No. Men are traditionalists. We like to create traditions in order to follow spiritual principles according to our style, preference, and convenience. Often we take principles or acts established by God and then construct traditions around the principle of the act. Whether or not the Lord's Supper is partaken on every first Sunday is based on what? Moreover, if the congregation uses bread or crackers to symbolize the Lord's flesh or grape juice versus grape-flavored Kool-Aid to symbolize his blood, that's discretionary according to tradition. Wearing white clothes or not on the day of the Lord's Supper is another tradition. God simply asks us to partake of the Lord's Supper in sincerity as often as we can in remembrance of him. 1 Peter 1 and 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. So silver and gold, all these material, all of these things, none of this stuff has redeemed you. The blood of Jesus has redeemed you. So these things, though they may, and some people hold these traditions very dear. So you don't go and, and just walk in the church while they're doing communion. Just, ah, I'm just like Jesus and knock everything down. Because it's, no, you can't do that. That's not right. But at the same time, what you know is what you know. So you know, I'm going to put emphasis on what it is to God versus emphasis on what it means to me. Does that make sense? So when you in there and they may, the Pope may walk down the aisle and, and all the little altar boys following him with, 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 with candles and you sit in there and you, t- <laughs> no, don't do, don't, 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 you, you somewhere where you just don't need to be. <laughs> Wait till you get old. But you understand what I'm saying. We're not going to try to hurt people or talk down on people or make them feel bad because we know some truth. We have to honor or respect our parents and our elders that this is the truth they know. And then we make the difference with our own children. Does that make sense? But when you take your kids over to the house and let your kids stay with them, you don't, you don't run down your rules to your parents. Yeah, you don't have to. Now, mama, now, you know, I know y'all watch that TBN. We don't watch TBCN in our house. Like that's going to hurt your kids and they come home and you showing them Dragon Ball Z. Can I teach somebody in here? But men are traditionalists. So uh, we take these principles and we do these things. But 1 Peter 1 and 18 just lays it out and says that we are not redeemed by any of these things. Some traditions have divine authorization and others do not. Let me say that again. Some traditions have divine authorization and others do not. Nevertheless, we should always guard against being staunch traditionalists. God desires our obedience. We are instructed to adhere to the spirit of the law and not the what? Letter of the law. Matthew 15 and 2. Why do the disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. These are the Pharisees. They didn't wash their hands. So they're going against the traditions of the elders. And Jesus is like, did you wash your heart today? You worried about hands. Quenching the spirit. <laughs> Remember, I was on the organ one time doing a service. And man, they was trying to get me to play some bump music, some shouting music. So I was sitting, 
I was sitting up there. And I just didn't feel like playing no shout music. And they were like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then the preacher got the mic and said, now, wait a minute. I got to rebuke this devil over here on this organ. <laughs> I said, bro, y'all didn't even ask me if I was saved when y'all hired me. So you better watch how you... I got a mic too, bro. This could get real ugly. I'm going to go... I'm going to rebuke this devil over here on this organ. Y'all see this devil? You know what he's doing? He's quenching the spirit. He's quenching. He won't let the spirit. He won't let it go. He just won't let it go. He's holding the spirit back. We need to pray for this devil. So the spirit is shout music? Because I won't play? But that's what people think. They think that's quenching the spirit. Or when you're singing a song and, you know, the song is going or whatever, and then you stop the song and go to the next thing. Oh, no, see. See, you just, you scared the dove out. You can't have abrupt changes. It can't be, it's got to flow. It's got to, you got to flow from one thing into the next. It's got to be a spiritual flow or you're quenching. Dude, that's music, man. We're talking about feelings. Because if the musician can't play, then what you're saying? Been to a church with a bad musician? Is, is, is that the whole quench service? Spirit tried to come in like a dove and left like an eagle. Ah! The dude can't play. He can't play. I mean, man, we just say some stuff. Why do we just say stuff that you can't explain that? Now, don't get me wrong. Emotionally, we would like to have a nice flow in between this or that or this. But don't make it spiritual. Some people have incorrectly turned symbolic biblical acts into vain traditions. Others practice traditions in hope of meriting God's favor or the accolades of others. So people do things that are tradition so somebody will pat them on the back and notice them as doing something for the Lord. When their whole intent was to do it for themselves. And you know their intent was to do it for themselves because if don't nobody say anything about what they're doing, they're unappreciated. So that means that your motive all along was for somebody to clap. Amen? And so they use traditions for the same reason, so they can look good. And so they can stand up before others and they can get attention, get the attention of the church. Vain traditions. For example, the Apostle Paul warned the early church against the use of the Lord's Supper to satisfy hunger or thirst. He also forbade careless preparation or careless participation in the Lord's Supper by, by those that had unforgiveness in their hearts or other unrepentant sins in their lives. So if you weren't saved or if you were just in there to do it for the show or you're just doing it like that, then yeah, you were doing it for the wrong reasons because Lord's Supper had to already be in you before you took it. It's just an illustration of what has already happened. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Matthew 15 and 3. But he answered and said unto them, why do you transgress the commandment of, the, of God by your tradition? Many people substitute a relationship with God for adherence to traditions. But it is God's desire and purpose for us to follow him. We must not get distracted by following traditions. Traditions don't make you saved. 
Mark 7 and 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things or such like things you do. So just because men do it, just because people have had supernatural experiences or whatever, it doesn't mean that we hold to traditions more than we seek out a good relationship with the Lord. It's the relationship with, with God that we should all be after. Amen? And we don't have to prove our relationship with the Lord by tradition or by doing things outwardly. Now, our relationship with the Lord will make us act a certain way outwardly. Amen? God does not always work through our traditions. Many of our traditions can be detrimental to the move of God. In fact, the practice of traditions as proof of spiritual occurrences has caused many denominations to even distort the process of becoming a believer. We must consistently examine our hearts, motives, and traditions. And that's what I do. I see a tradition, I'm going to hold it up to the word, and I'm going to make sure this tradition is not shutting up the kingdom of heaven and stopping someone from entering in. Amen? And I got to check my speech, what I'm saying a lot of times, because I don't want to come across like I'm holding someone back or keeping them from entering in just because of what I'm used to seeing or what I was taught when I was growing up. Amen. And we all have to do that because we all come from different backgrounds. Some of y'all were taught that if a person don't speak in tongues, they're not saved. Some of y'all were taught that if a person doesn't, amen, I didn't see no tears. Wasn't nobody crying. I didn't hear you crying. I need to hear a cry. There needs to be a a crying out. I've had people do that. Amen. And a lot of people got so used to seeing that, that they made that a part of the process. Yeah. And that's why so many people think they're saved and they stay in church all these years, got all the trappings. They've done it all. But the Bible said they're going to Stand before God and say, God, I've done it all. I've been in church all my life. I've, I paid tithes. I prayed. I spoke in tongues. I laid hands on the Sabbath. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Mark 7 and 13, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which you have delivered. And many such like things you do. Traditions can make the word of God ineffective. Because you're more concerned about the act of doing than the act of being. Amen? Summary! The tradition of men are not always harmful. In fact, some traditions are good. The way we worship God and engage with fellow believers usually becomes a tradition for our fellowship time. Songs we sing in order of service can become a part of our church traditions as well. Though we may enjoy our traditions, we must know the difference between religiosity and obedience to God. Also, we must not use traditions to set up barriers between God and his people. God is opposed to or set against harmful traditions or blind allegiance to any tradition. The tradition of practicing ill tradition gets in God's way. Traditions become problematic when we begin to replace God with our traditions and seek after godly rights instead of a true relationship with him. Many ordinances and biblical illustrations can become traditions to us over time and over time people can begin to focus more on the ceremony than what the ceremony really illustrates. Illustrations and symbolism must be kept in context and all ordinances must be performed with biblical understanding. I'll give you a good example. The best example, best illustration of this is altar call. 
when a church has altar call and they play music, some people are drawn through coercion. It's not the Holy Ghost. It's coercion because music has the power to coerce. Certain frequencies can resonate in a person's body and make them feel something that's not really God. But it feels like a pull or a tug. Then it could be personality driven as well, depending on how popular the person doing the altar call is. I used to go to concerts sometimes and. I remember I went to a Winans concert, and I'm not trying to slight Marvin or none of them, you know. I remember one concert that they were doing, and Carvin got up and called himself going to do the altar call. And Carvin didn't have to do nothing but, eh, and all the women ran down. You think they came down to be saved? No, and it wasn't his fault. It's just his personality got in the way. You can't, Carvin can't do the altar call at the concert. See, somebody don't agree with that. Oh, but he's a man of God. When you cry. And all the women ran down. And he kept doing it. And they just run to be saved. Were they coming to be saved? You see what I'm saying? That's no slight on him. He's, he was just in a position where he was going to be ineffective no matter what he did. Because he's a superstar. Amen. I remember R. Kelly. Did a concert and had an altar call at the concert. Called Kurt Franklin up with him and did an altar call. About 50,000 people got saved that day. Because that's R. Kelly. You see what I'm saying? So if you were coerced by the music, then you're going to need the music the next week to recharge. Because you were coerced. And it wasn't the true power of God that drew you. Or the spirit of the Lord that drew you. Amen? But that's a tradition. So it's like it's synonymous now. Altar call, come on, play me some, play me some altar call music. So it's not the spirit that's drawing them; it's the frequencies. Oh, you think I'm playing? Remember when you was in the world and Luther was in concert and you was in the audience? Didn't it feel like church? Yeah, especially when woo, mm. hey, oh, I mean, oh, oh, wait, what, what is happening? You just, your body's confused because it's the same feeling. <laughs> yeah, you're in some church services and the music is high and the preacher, oh, oh, and you just, whoa, hey, hey. And then you're watching TV and Prince is singing. Your hair stand up the same way. It's because it's frequencies. It's not the Lord, it's frequencies. Music can do that. Some songs you listen to, and they could be a secular song from way back. And you get this chill go up your spine, and this, that's the Holy Ghost? That's Barry White. You think the Lord is using Barry? <laughs> Illustrations and symbolism must be kept in context, and all ordinances must be performed with what? Biblical understanding and all thy getting. Make sure you do what? Get an understanding. God looks at a man's heart, not his outward appearance or his outward compliance to man's tradition. We must be careful not to quench the spirit by making our way, the traditions of men, equate to God's way. 
Colossians 2 and 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Man, he just preached. Did you hear that? I'm going to read it again. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made what? Without hands. And putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So what he's saying is my covenant has evolved now. I gave you a physical illustration through circumcision. To show you of something greater that's going to come. Jesus is going to come and there won't be any need for the physical tradition. Because you will be circumcised through Christ. The circumcision without hands. So though we uphold traditions, let's just not let our traditions interfere with what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. Everyone stand to your feet. You know, being a young church... Especially a church with so many different denominations and belief systems and all of that coming together. A lot of times we got to get on the same page with some of this stuff. And I want you to know, I'm saying it publicly. I'm not against traditions of churches. There are traditions and I understand. I try to understand them all. I've tried to spend my time last 20 years studying the human brain, the human mind, all of these things so I can get a good understanding of why men are traditionalists, why we do the things we do, why we place landmarks and emphasis on certain things, why we function and do these things. That's what I want to know. I want to know those things. But I don't want to ever get to the point to where I can't enjoy God or enjoy my relationship with the Lord when I have to go to an overly traditional church. I want to be able to go in there and understand what they're doing, have sympathy for some of the things, but keep my mouth shut and then just enjoy the Lord with them. Especially if that's my mom's church or, your, or, or my dad's church or a relative or something. I don't want to be in there. Glad when this is over. No! And you can feel that maybe in your heart, but man, these people, just like you didn't know, they don't know. Amen. It's time to grow up. And y'all, I love this church because have you noticed how God just takes us through phase after phase? It's like, it's like he's really maturing us and growing us up. Anybody get that feeling? And I look at it and some of the stuff he takes me through, it hurts. Because there are certain people you want to go to the next place, but they can't grow to that. So they, they, they're going to get left behind. But as we grow into this place and grow into this place and we walk away, like Paul said, we leave immaturity. We leave the, the, the little selfish things and we, you know, making it about us and all that. We leave that stuff behind and we move forward into the move that God really wants because this church is about your children. Can I say it again? What God is doing in here is about, it's not, look at somebody say it's not about you. It's not about you. It's just to get you to a place because you got kids. You have children. So this place is trying to grow you into a mature level. Let's look at all these people in here. Almost everyone in here is under 40. Why is that? Because God wants to straighten you out so that your kids will be straight. Then when your kids grow up, they'll pass on what you taught. Amen. So we got to not let these traditions of people and what people say and do. We can't look at somebody and say, keep the main thing, the main thing. 
If you can take that advice from your pastor, am I your pastor? Yes, sir. If you can take that advice from your pastor, you will overcome a whole lot of personal issues if you keep focused on what's important. Is this about God? Is this fellowship about me knowing God? Or is it about a man? Or is it about me and my feelings and how I feel? What is it about? Keep what's important. Important. Amen? Everyone bow your heads. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, so much for this fellowship of believers. Thank you for them being adamant, growing, learning, all of us just coming together, God. It's like you're forming the perfect mixture of family and fellowship and fun. All these things that we do, God, that may be unorthodox because they don't follow certain traditions. But Father God, we want to be sincere in our hearts to remember why we do what we do. Keep the main thing on our minds and our hearts. What's important? God, we want what's important to you to be important to us. You are important and you are what's important. So, Father, we don't want traditions to get in the way. We don't want what we're doing, what we think, how we feel, what we think you think. We don't want these things getting in our way of knowing you, Lord. No traditions. But, Father, the traditions that are good, that are okay, those things that we're able to do and it doesn't conflict with who you are, we'll welcome those things. But we don't want anything that's going to conflict with you. Shut up the kingdom of heaven and not allow others free access to you. So, Father, we come against that right now. The spirit of religion, religiosity, we come against it right now. And I thank you for all of these adamant believers. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective from G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of Adamant Believers Council in Grand Prairie, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas, 76124, or donate online at www.exministries.com. Dot com.